And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 119. We've been in this book now for a few weeks, working our way through it. Um, Psalm 119, if you don't have a Bible, just slip your hands up. The ushers will grab one, or you're welcome to open up your electronic device and, and look at it there as well. I would love for you to, we're going to read this section, Psalm 119, verses 25 through 32, and then also 145 and on through 152. We're going to read through those in just a second, but before we do that, have you ever experienced like true desperation? Not talking like you single guys are like, man, I really want to meet a girl, like not that kind of desperation, but like, have you ever experienced like, like the, like absolute, like desperate to experience something? Like maybe you were, were working on something or you were traveling or hiking or you're like, I need, I like, I need to get water soon. Have you, have you ever truly experienced a spot of like desperation where you've, where you've found yourself needing to cling to something to survive? When I was, when I was in seventh grade, my brother was three years older than me and he was, um, he was, let's just say he was, he had fun making me realize I was his little brother, okay? So one of the things he did, we were camping. We were camping up at Silver Creek Plunge, and, and his friend Marty was there, and he had this dirt bike, this really, really amazing dirt bike. And this was my first experience ever with a dirt bike. And he's like, hey, you can, you can ride with me. Like, ride on this dirt bike with me. It'll be fun. And, and I'm like, okay, I don't know if I should, and, and, and I'm not really sure it's a good idea. And he's like, no, no, we got a helmet. Just hold on to me. It's great. And he's like, okay. So I get on the motorcycle with him. And he's, he's a lot bigger than me. I'm seventh grade. I was a pretty scrawny little kid. And I'm sitting there and he's like, okay, really important. Two things that you need to remember. I'm like, okay. And if you're, you're slightly afraid, you usually pay pretty good attention, right? Like the two things, it was, it's, it's like, okay, I need to pay attention. This is important. First thing he said, don't ever let go of me. I was like, okay. Like, you know, that, that sounds realistic. He's like, yes, I'm the only person you hold on to. Secondly, if I lean, lean with me. Anyone that's been on a motorcycle with someone, they understand that like sitting up actually affects, apparently in dirt bikes, it's even worse. So he said, those are the two things. He's like, I'm, I'm bigger than you. It shouldn't really matter. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. He's like, but don't ever let go. And I remember sitting on him and I'm a seventh grade boy. And I remember kind of like, he's, he's stinky and he's a, he's a big guy. And I remember like, like holding on kind of like, you want distance, you know, like, but you're kind of strapped. There's like, it's like, it's intimate. There's no way around it, right? Like you're holding this guy, right? And I'm like, it's kind of awkward. He smells. And then he, and then he lets go and just like takes off. And I can tell you that I am fairly certain that you couldn't slip anything between us, right? Like, I'm like legs wrapped around him at this moment. Like, oh, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And I, he rips forever. And I, like, when he's leaning, I'm just like holding it as hard as I can. I, at times, I feel my, my butt leave the seat. I am scared. I'm literally yelling, stop, stop. I don't want to go. I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And he just is laughing and just ripping up the thing, right? And just going everywhere. And it was like clinging, you know, clinging in a lot of ways, like some of you parents with your kids when you're trying to get them to go to class. Like, they're just like latched onto you, like, get off me. You have to pry their fingers off. I'm pretty sure he got off the motorcycle and we had that dumb and dumber moment where I came with him. Like, I'm pretty sure that's how, like, that's how fixed I was to him. But I was desperate because of two things. One is I was incredibly afraid of where we were going, but, but I truly believed in that moment. The only way for me to survive was to hold on tight. And so I just clung to him. And so I literally had every single, like, ounce of energy in the moments. Even when I was getting tired, I was like, I cannot get tired. I cannot let these arms let go. I have to hold on or I'm going to die. I kept picturing, like we drive down these things, I kept picturing me flying off, you know, 100 feet to my death that way or him losing me in the dirt in the middle of nowhere and just keeping going like he'd forget that I was back there. And I, I, it, was, it, was, it was really, really scary. That being said, I think the scriptures are incredibly clear over and over and over again that we see, we see specifically that there will be times of desperation in our life. There will be difficulties, there will be trials, there will be hardships. There will be things that we're going to confront that, that we may not feel like we have the ability to do so. What I truly believe, and the way, the way I wrote it, is that this section of Psalm 119 that we're going to read, 
will confront us more than ever with our belief of what truth is and how we do or don't align our life to it. Last week, I, I talked about if Scripture is our ultimate authority, then we see this. But a lot of times, I think a lot, a lot of things we can do is practically we can say, yes, it's my authority, I believe it. But when it really comes out to submitting ourselves to it or cl- clinging to it, we, we, we tend to find ourselves fairly distant. And see, I think a lot of us, you've, you've been through hardships. You've experienced long, long, long seasons of depression. You've, you've been battling, a, you've had an ugly breakup. You've lost a child. You've experienced a child run from the Lord. You've, you've experienced hardships and death and, and all kinds of things that would bring about disparity in our life, would bring about hardship. And it's in those moments that we actually see in this psalm today how we are to go through them, what we're to do in that setting. When we come to that spot, we're, we're, it actually gives us kind of a pretty simple solution, so simple that I think a lot of us may displace it because we're like, oh yeah, I've heard that, but it hasn't worked. And so my, my hope would be that as, you, as we dig into the psalm today, that you guys would be, uh, a couple things would happen. One is you'd be a little bit more desperate for the Lord. You'd find yourself wanting to actually cling to Him and not letting the, the hardships or the difficulties or the, the trials of your life be something that gives you an excuse to push yourself away from Him. But instead you draw near. And, and, and believe me, it's hard. I'm not perfect at this, but let's look at Psalm 119. Again, we have been doing this in a structure, kind of through a chiastic structure, which is, I'm not going to explain it. You can go back and listen to the very first one. But the first verse is verse 25 in Psalm 119. My soul clings to dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told, told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I have set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. And then over to verse 145. With my whole heart I cry, answer me, O Lord. I will keep your statutes. I will call to you, save me that I may observe your testimonies. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. Hear my voice according to your steadfast love. O Lord, according to your justice, give me life. They draw near who persecute me with evil purposes. They are far from your law, but you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. Long have I known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. And so this psalm, the author here, it picks a, a bit of, we can see that there's some difficulty coming. And I wanted to, to identify a few of these terms, but basically what we see in verse, in verse 25, he says, my soul clings to dust. In verse 28, he talks about his soul melting away for sorrow. Verse 29, he says, put away false, put false ways far from me. 31, I cling to your testimonies. Don't let me be put to shame. Verse 150, they draw near who persecute me with evil purposes. And so we see this difficulty coming at this psalmist, this author here. And what, what's trying to be related is, is this. Now, it also seems pretty dramatic if you think about it. Some of these statements that, that he's writing are really, really, really dramatic. But what we can understand truly from this is that we can see that this life, that what's going on for this person, what this individual's experience is hardship. It's difficulty. And we can see that in the middle of confessing these, bringing these things out, he actually gives us the right way to get through, the, to get through them. And so we see that. So first, I want to talk about the dust statement. 
Um, he says that it's a strong image. He says that he, is, he literally clings to the dust. Dust was a place of death or a place of mourning or a place of humiliation. In, in the Hebrew, this is kind of what they understood, that this was, his soul was clinging to dust. Now, this can mean two things. One of two things. I think, honestly, both could be right. One is, is that he, the, the dust, the, the clinging that he's talking about is, is the actual struggle he has with himself, his own corruptions. He says, I'm clinging to dust because I see in myself this desire to keep sinning. I keep seeing how I mess up over and over again. I, I just, I see myself here doing this. I, I can't help but escape that. And then he says, right after that, he says, so give me life according to your word. So it could mean that he's talking about his own issues, his own propensity to sin. We see the apostle Paul did the same thing. Why do I do the things I don't want to do? We, we see this, this battle of, of as we live in this world, the scriptures are very, very clear. There will be turmoil. As you and I walk around in these fleshly bodies that are being renewed and redeemed by God's work, we still have those fleshly desires that we need to turn from. The spirit of God that lives in us is stronger and gives us the ability to walk away from those things and to beat those things, but we will continue to battle the sinfulness of this world until his kingdom comes and does away with all of it. And so we see this, this battle. The second way would be um, trouble that would be kind of coming at them, meaning there's, there's my soul clings to dust because of all the turmoil that's around me. And, and my, my thought is a lot of us maybe haven't really felt that the disparity of the first. I think there are some people that have, have truly hit that proverbial rock bottom and understand that first level of dust, clinging to dust like I've been there. But the second one, I think, is one that we may find ourselves more in, which is that there's either an outward struggle going on in our lives, or it's a mind battle in ourselves. We continue to see ourselves battling with the hardships of this world here. We continue to see the, 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 the attacks coming here, and we struggle with our beliefs. We struggle with faith. We struggle across the board here. We just, we can't seem to get through it. And so either way, we see him talking about deep sorrow, deep trouble, clinging to dust. is Literally, he's saying he's cleaved. He's cleaved. That's the same word we get leave and cleave in, in Genesis. This is he's cleaving to dust. He's cleaving to humiliation or death or sorrow or sadness. And so that's what this psalmist says. And then we also hear um, him say that I have told of my ways. Now what's unique and, and, and brilliant and beautiful about this is this is one of our solutions. I have told of my ways is actually I have confessed. I have confessed of who I am. This is who I am. I have told you that I am this person. This is, this is it. I've laid it all out before you, Lord. I've confessed to you all of my struggles, which is why I think on the first part when he says clinging to dust, I think it has more to do with his own sinfulness in this situation because he's, he's seeing a, a need for repentance. And then the, the statement, my soul melts from sorrow. Um, this is, I don't know if you've ever, has anyone ever felt like a, a heavy soul? Just a, just a weighted soul? Like you, it's, you can't, like it's not necessarily tear-filled, but it can come with tears, but just, you just feel the weight. Like you're just, you're just heavy. This image of, of melting away is literally becoming nothing. And I think there's a lot of us that walk around in that nothingness with our soul completely melted away. We just, we just are full of sorrow, and we just keep operating, and we keep trying to work our way through this on our own, and we keep believing that we'll find truth in some way on our own. And so I think a lot of us walk around with melted souls. We've, we've lost the promises of God that are very true in Scripture, We've fixated our eyes not on him anymore, but on the troubles, on the sorrows, on the disparity. And that's what's become of us. And so we find ourselves, as our soul melts away, clinging to the very dust, clinging to death, in hopes that death will bring about some form of life. 
and not the death that dying to ourselves that Jesus Christ is talking about, but like we, we add or go to things of this world that are not life. We look for hope in things that are not Him. We turn to, to sources that aren't His. We, we, we go outside of Scripture for help. And it's not that there's individuals or things outside of Scripture that can be beneficial, but ultimately we, we leave Him. And the psalmist is as desperate and as, as kind of whiny as this section sounds, again, does a phenomenal job of telling us exactly what we are to do. And one of the first things he said was that we are to confess. We see that. He says, he says I confess all that is in me. I've told you of my ways. Let me just be really clear. God isn't confused of your ways. So whether you tell him or not, he's not going, man, I, just, I wonder what they're doing down there. I really wish they'd tell me. No, this is a posture of humility, a posturing yourself of saying, I will confess to the Lord because I see value in what he calls me to do through confession and repentance and doing this. So, so we see that, that one of the, the first things when we're desperate, when life's hard, when, when affliction comes, when trouble comes, whether it's, it's outward or it's inward or it's in our mind, whatever trouble's happening, we see that confession is one of the most powerful things we can do. We can confess to the Lord of our ways and then see his ways because his ways are eternally good and better than ours. The second thing he says here, which is, which is really, really interesting, he says, put false ways far from me. It's basically a say of, of, of don't let me lie. And I was wrestling with this even last night I called um, Pellegrini, and I was like, okay, is this, is this, am I going to be outside of Scripture if I say this? And so we were kind of wrestling with this. But I think that the way that this Scripture is being, is being used is that a lot of times people will turn to deceitfulness when things get hard to solve the problem. So let me just use a perfect example. In your finances, when tax season comes, a lot of times it's like, well, if I don't actually add a couple zeros here and plus there or gave away more, give that more value, then I'll have to pay more. And so because I don't want to pay more, that's, that's affliction, that's trouble, I'll just go ahead and I'll just kind of tell a little lie, just a little one, a little fib. And what we see happening is as, as we try and solve it on our own, we bring about false ways. And that's, I think, the context of what's being done here. There are people that are coming at him. It'd be really easy to lie, to make someone else look worse than they are or to, to lie their way out of the situation. But the part that I wanted to, to add to this scripture, and again, this is, this is me adding it in. I want to be clear. I think that's what the scripture says, but I do believe there's an aspect of, um, that is applicable here that's my own conjecture being in, which is that we are actually believing lies. See, a lot of times when we, when we experience desperate or hard situations, that hard situation gets way bigger than it is because we start embellishing how it plays out. Have you ever experienced this? Has anyone been through a hard thing? Am I just the only one that does this? Apparently, I'm it. Okay, no nodded heads. Okay, good. That's me. So this is for me, so you guys can just check out for a second, right? But what happens is when, when hardships happen, you, you know how I know this is true? Because when I look back in my life at the trials I was in, when I was in that trial, I couldn't see anything else but that trial. The trial was everything. It was so big and so huge, and everything played through it. And as I was in the middle of it, I've had a hard time finding truth, and I had to have people help me in certain situations, and, and I can see how big it was. Well, I think a lot of times we start believing lies in that. We start taking things personal that really had nothing to do with us. The enemy's goal is to take truth and twist it. If he is incapable of creativity, because God is creative, so then he has to just work with what he has. So what is he going to do? He's going to distort truth. And so a lot of times I think in our hardships, yes, we need to put away deceitfulness or trying to solve the problem on our own. But I think in a lot of ways we've got to stop believing the lies the enemy's feeding us. And let, me just, let me just tease this out a little bit more. How many of you ever feel like a failure? You've wrestled like, I'm a failure. Think about that. That's a lie. If you, if you are the Lord's, you're not a failure. 
We need to go back and teach through Ephesians again, if that's the case. I'm just a failure. No, you may fail. Agree with Satan in that. Yeah, I totally messed up here. But praise God that I'm not a failure. I am a child of his who messed up. See, the enemy will lie, and we believe lies. So I think in this, I think what makes sense is sometimes we have to, if we're experiencing hardships, if we're desperate for a solution, if we're dealing with deep depression or anything, we have to start taking captive those thoughts that may be lies. We have to start speaking those lies out loud and saying, that is not true, and reclaiming it in the name of Jesus. So put away the false ways inside of me. Yeah, it has to do with, stop lying. If you're lying about anything, you're, you're, you're a liar. Right? Like, we are to be honest and truthful. Oh, it's just a harmless lie. It's just a little, like, I didn't lie. I just am withholding information. Yeah, that's lying. That's deceitfulness. So he says, put it away. And some of you right now, some of you, your hardships, your difficulties are because you're refusing to be truthful. And some of you, you know where that lands? That lands in repentance, confession and repentance. You are not confessing or repenting some situation because you believe you now have it handled as best as you can, and it's just going to cause more pain to bring it out to light. Well, let me tell you right now, the longer you hold on to that, the more of a foothold the enemy has in sabotaging your life. Put away falseness. And you know what's beautiful? He doesn't say, I'm going to put it away. He says, Lord, take from me my false ways. He sees, just like he says here, make me understand. He sees that his understanding and his ability to get rid of the falseness has nothing to do with his own ability and all of the Lord's doing. God, take the false ways from me. I, I dare you. I dare you to pray that authentically this week. God, remove any falsehood from my life. Take the lies that I'm believing and just obliterate them with your truth. There's freedom on the other end of that. There's freedom that is yours in Christ on the other end of that. And so he tells us to put false ways from us. And then he says he sets his rules. I set your rules before me. This is how this psalmist was able to to, um, to choose the way of truth is because he knows the Lord. So many of us, we, we want to follow the Lord and we want, to, we want to choose the everlasting way or come to life or walk in truth, but we just don't know the Lord. We don't understand what he's asking us because we never, ever spend any time in God's word. We never spend any time in community. We never allow people close enough to us to really rub shoulders in a hard way and go, man, that, that doesn't line up with scripture. I love you, but that doesn't line up with scripture. And we don't know the Lord, we're not going to know his truth. We're not going to know his ways. And so the psalmist can, can utter that. And then he says, I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. I cling to your testimonies. How interesting is it at the very beginning of this stanza, these eight verses, it's I cling to dust. And at the very end, it's, no, no, I cling to your, your testimonies, your law. O Lord, I cling to you. See, some of us, we need to be arms around, legs wrapped, squeezing as hard as we possibly can on the truth of God's word right now. Because we've, we've been so loose-gripped on him and his word that we're so far from it that when lies come, we don't know what's up or down. We keep clinging to someone else. We hope that this relationship will save us or this job will save us or this. You know how often I hear as a pastor, it'll be better when. Everything is this when. When I graduate, when I'm married, when I get through this season. We keep putting it off in the season as if God isn't calling us to live in the present right now. We're always putting it on some other hope. We're always hoping in something else as opposed to allowing the hope of the Lord to be what sustains us through any situation, any season of life. He says, I cling to your testimonies. That literally, I have, I have aligned myself. I've become one with your word. How many of us can say that in some weird Star Trek way or Star Wars way? Like, I, I am one with the word of God, right? Like, like, most of us probably don't say that. We don't feel that way. But if, if you don't, if you don't stub your toe and the word of God doesn't come out, 
If you don't, if you don't find yourself driving down the road and someone cuts you off and the word of God doesn't come out, you're probably not one necessarily yet, okay? If the first thing when affliction comes, you don't find yourself clinging to the word of God, then you identify, this is why I said at the beginning, you find yourself, this, this scripture really identifies where we believe the truth of God is in our life. I get it, and some of us right now, you're like, Brent, I have been, I have been going to the scripture, I have been saying it over and over again, and I keep doing it, and I keep doing it, and I keep doing it, but you know what? It's just not working. Okay, well then let's go to the second stanza. What are two things that we see this psalmist do that probably none of us do on a regular basis? I mean, I'll give you a hint. It has to do with our sleep. He rises before dawn. Before dawn. Why? To cling to the Lord. To spend time in, in prayer. And then, just for fun, through the night watches. In case you're wondering, that's like, that's like 1 a.m., 3 a.m., 6 a.m. He sets an alarm clock so that he can do what? Meditate on the word of God. You know what meditate predominantly meant at this time? It's, it's used in a number of different ways, but memorizing scripture. How many of you are like, oh man, I can't wait to wake up at 1 a.m. and start memorizing. Come on, baby, let's do this. We, we, don't, we don't find it. In fact, I'm gonna, I'm gonna issue this right now. I'm going to do it this week, okay? You don't have to put it on Facebook and make it all about you, but I challenge you to set your alarm clock for a random time one of the nights this week, wake up and spend an hour in the word of God. I challenge you to do it. And if you hear that, you're like, there's, there's no way I can't do it. I'm too tired. And I, I, I challenge you, I challenge you to do it. And before you even utter a single, before you even open a page, you say, Lord, speak to me. You need to make yourself coffee. You're going to be up the rest of the night. Well, then the Lord wanted more time with you. Praise God. And then don't spend the rest of the day being, I'm so tired because I got up to read the word of God. Look at how holy I am. Look at how holy I am. If I see anyone post on Facebook, I'm unfriending you, okay? So, no. See, I don't, I don't think we've really met our level of desperation. I understand some of you have been through a really difficult time. Some of you are experiencing incredible hardships, and you're like, I have prayed. I've prayed, and I've turned to God's word, and I've asked for counsel. I've done this. But have you really clinged? I mean, have you desperately clung to the Lord, knowing the only way I'm going to find salvation in this or safety or redemption in this situation is by squeezing as hard as I possibly can on the Lord, and nothing else is going to get in the way. I'm pretty sure while I was on the back of that motorcycle with Marty riding, if someone said, hey, Brent, look, there's a million dollars over there, I wouldn't have turned my head if it was the other way. I was like this. If it's over there, it's like, not looking, I'm going to die. Like, there was no way because I was so desperate to live, the million dollars wouldn't have done anything for me. It's that fixated desperation. It's that clinging to something. And it's, it's a clinging. The way that the scriptures teach about this clinging, it's not something that can be undone. Although some of you may be able to pry your infant's hands off as they're screaming and hand them to some lovely nursery worker, right? You might be able to pry them off and be like, go and then run. You might be able to do it. This is a clinging that, like, there's no separating. There's no separating. So that means that when the lies come, whether they're th- lies that I'm believing, I'm telling myself, or lies that come in, I go, ah, no, 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 wait, hang on. Now, that does not line up with your word. That does not line up with God's word. So this, this, this cannot be true. I have clinged to this. How, have I, how do I know this? Because, well, I've been waking up in the middle of the night meditating. Maybe you want to put a little bit more in the, Lord, in the Lord's hand. Just ask him to wake you up. Just ask him. Say, Lord, I want to find more time with your word. Just wake me up at periodic times so I can do it. I'm pretty sure he'll answer that prayer. But are you clinging to him? Are you truly clinging to him and his word and what he has to say for you? Through the night, we saw Jesus prayed early in the morning, Mark 135. We also see him praying through the night, Luke 6. We see him that he prays all the way through the night. Prayer is an incredibly powerful and beautiful thing, and yet we continue to utter, well, all we can do is pray now, as if it's a last-ditch effort. Dare I say that most of us in our desperate situations have not actually presented it to the Lord enough. 
And if you've asked and you haven't received, you ask. We've got scriptures that tell us that we're asking with the wrong motivation. Jesus is, is very clear in Matthew 7. He tells us that we can ask, seek, and knock. We can, we can pursue him. Keep knocking. I, I shared this with the staff a couple weeks ago, but the, the fact that we have to knock tells us that doors will be closed. Have you ever thought about that? Rarely do we just keep knocking on an open door. Hey, can I come in? Can I come in? When doors are closed, we continue to knock. And so that means that sometimes while you're praying, doors are going to be closed. So keep seeking, keep knocking, keep pushing, cling to the Lord in this. We see in the second section that, that prayer is truly the way that this psalmist gets himself out, but it's prayer through, through the scriptures. It's not just prayer in general, but it's, it's both. It's prayer and the truth of God's word. We see that he prays in, Psalm 140, in verse 145. What he prayed for was save me and I will keep your testimonies, 146. When he prayed, before dawning in the morning, and how long he prayed, sometimes through the entire night. Man, I would love to hear, like, it, you don't have to, you can somehow anonymously tell me if you pray through the night what the Lord does, or I would love to be encouraged by what God says to you if, if this happens. Like, I don't think that's necessarily gossiping or, or, or letting your rewards be taken from you, but I would love, as your pastor, I would love to hear if God does something in the middle of the night, please share it with me. I want to hear about how he, he showed up when you were exhausted and it made no sense. We see that he says the, the grounds request is according to his loving kindness, verse 149. We, said, we also see that no matter how near the enemy is, God is nearer. And that's the promise we have in 149. So no matter how hard your situation is, no matter how difficult, if you are the Lord's, hear me on this, please hear me on this. No matter how distant he may seem, he is the nearest to you of all. He's closer to you than your spouse. He's closer to you than your family. He's closer to you than anything. He is nearer to you than the enemy. It does not matter how near they get. He is nearer. And this is why we can see that this section tells us what we believe about God's word. Because if we truly believe that his word is the truth, it is what is going to get us through the hardships of life, then we will find ourselves awake in the middle of the night memorizing it because it's so good. We will find ourselves going, you know what, I'm struggling to, to understand what this means, but I'm going to keep on seeking for truth in this. I'm not going to wrestle in a way that sends me away. I'm going to wrestle in a way that brings me closer to the Lord. If you have any situation in your life and you're like, man, I, I don't know whether it's as simple as like I'm supposed to move houses. We don't really see a lot of which house to buy in here, whatever it may be. But like, if you're not looking to the scriptures for truth in that situation, you're limiting your ability to actually see God's will. So maybe there's some of us here, as the, as the band comes up, we'll sing some more worship, but maybe there's some of us that need to be a little bit more desperate for God. Maybe, maybe, maybe the issue is that like, right now he's, he's, he's like three, four, five on the list for, for desperation. You're not really that desperate to know him. You're like, you're hanging your hat on some experience at some youth camp many years ago or whenever it was. Like, I, f I started following the Lord 20 years ago, and so that's what you just hung your hat on, as if there's no desperation to know more of his will and his purpose for your life today, as if he has no new words for you. Maybe some of us, we just need to be a little bit more desperate. Some of us, we, we, need, our, we need the Lord to, to pry our fingers off of the things that are getting in the way of what we're clinging to. Lord, Lord, forgive me for clinging to my career. Pry it off. Forgive me for clinging to this person. Pry those fingers off. Even though I may ream like a one-year-old being left in the nursery because mom is leaving me, Lord, I trust your wills. Pry my fingers away. Leave me there so that I can see you, so that I can cling to you 
Some, some of us, we need to just put the false, false ways away. We need the Lord to take those false ways from us. Say, God, would you, just, would you just obliterate anything false in me? Let me be an open book. If we're going to truly allow ourselves to mature, then we have to understand that God is taking us somewhere. We have to understand that he is, he is he's going to have to leave behind aspects of things that aren't of him. He's going to cut away branches that are not connected to the vine. Say, so this isn't it. This is not the vine dresser. This is not what we're supposed to do. He's going to prune away those things as he's maturing us. And some of you, some of you just need to stop believing the lie that your circumstances, your situations are so hard and so difficult that the Lord has nothing to offer. And some of us, we just need the discipline to be woken up a lot earlier in the morning, in the middle of the night, and start doing some meditation on God's word. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for making a way for us to cling to you. Um, the fact that I couldn't cling to you apart from Jesus Christ is a sobering thought. Recognizing that it's, it's not only what you've called me to do, it's what you, that you gave me the way to do it. God, forgive us for doubting you in prayer. Reminded of the, the demon that wouldn't come out of the kid and the, the disciples being completely confused as they had done everything else in Jesus' name. Confused at why he wouldn't come out. And Jesus says this one only comes out with prayer. I wonder how many times in our life you've been saying, I'm only going to solve this just by you in your humility being prayerful to me. You can't work around it. You can't solve this with your wisdom. You can't solve this with your strength. I wonder how many of those situations you're saying that to us and we keep avoiding time with you in conversation. Father, I pray I pray that this would be a week where we're all exhausted because we didn't sleep as much but we're rejoicing because of how much time we had with you. I pray that you would give us the desire to cling to your word, to your truth. Lord, I pray that your words would no longer be dry. God, for the individual in here that's questioning whether or not that, that your word is even true, God, I just pray that you'd wreak havoc on their hearts. Just, just obliterate the pride that comes in us when we, try to, when we try to doubt you. I call against the enemy in the name of Jesus. I rebuke him in any lies he's telling us that we are giving footholds to in us. God, for the lies that we tell ourselves, I pray that your word would just, just smother them and all we'd see is your truth. God, may we be more desperate for you. And for those of us that need our, our fingers pried, God, would you start prying hard? I don't care how big of a crowbar it is. Would you just release our grips on the things that we're holding on to that have nothing to do with you and your ways? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.